Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Many of you know Carol as the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She is a nationally recognized gerontologist, named one of the nation's top 50 influencers in aging by Next Avenue. And she has not only a master's degree in social gerontology, she's been involved in the field of not only aging, but seniors and caregiving for more than 25 years and serves as vice president of social responsibility for WellMed Medical Management. And Carol, uh, this is a topic that uh, uh, we, we dance around very often, but have never really confronted happiness. What is it? How do you get it? I'm so glad that we have an expert on happiness because maybe uh, we think we know what happiness is. Maybe there's more to it. And, and I'm excited to learn about happiness. Certainly well, believe in it. <laughs> Joining us is Dr. Don Lucas. He has a PhD, a professor of psychology, and the coordinator of the psychology department at Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas. He's a fellow of the Southwestern Psychological Association and the Association for Psychological Science. And Dr. Don, as his students call him, uh, is the author of the book, Being Your Happiness, Pleasure, and Contentment. And Don Lucas, we thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad I can be here. My, my students call me other things too, but uh, we probably shouldn't <laughs> refer to that right now. Yeah, Dr. Don, we can use it's uh, family friendly, right? Right, exactly. So talk to us about happiness. Uh, what is it? And when did you, did, did you discover a talent for telling people about it? Yeah, so um, it's the one thing that definitely brings us all together. So um, if, if you ask people what's the one thing they want out of life, um, consistently, you will hear people say uh, they want to be happy, um, no matter what culture you're talking about. Um, and, and from a historical perspective as well, you can go throughout history and, and, and find people talking about has, happiness, people philosophizing uh, about happiness. And it wasn't until the 1990s until uh, we put the scientific method upon it and try to figure out, are there some objective aspects to happiness? So by that same token, when you ask people, what's the one thing they want out of life? Consistently, you'll hear people say, I want to be happy. But then if you do a follow-up question and you say, okay, what are you doing to actually uh, be happy, you're going to get as many answers as you uh, have people that you are asking. So um, what science has done for us is literally develop a new branch of psychology. And this is a relatively new, new branch um, started in the 1990s, and it's literally called positive psychology. And what positive psychology focuses on are human strengths, human virtues, uh, well-being, um, subjective aspects of uh, who we are, self-concept, self-esteem. Um, psychology for the longest time kind of lost its way 
in that um, when you thought of a psychologist, you immediately thought of a clinical psychologist and you said, okay, tell me everything that's abnormal about you and uh, let's see if we can fix you. Whereas positive psychology stands that on its head and says, probably people are more interested in um, reinforcing happiness than not being depressed. So um, I came by this in a very uh, nonlinear way. I'm, I'm trained as a neuropsychologist and all my training is, is in really basic perception. My um, dissertation was such as that uh, I helped discover a visual illusion, a visual illusion in which like 23 people in the world are interested in, of which one of those people is, is my mother. Um, but I've always been a teacher. I've loved teaching. I've always been in the classroom. And this is going to be more than 20 years ago. I had a student come up to me uh, after class, as students often do. And he said, uh, Dr. Don, can you measure happiness? Um, presenting the scientific method. And as a good know-it-all, I said, no, you cannot measure happiness because happiness is subjective. And what a great student he was. He said, well, look at there's research articles on this. <laughs> So him and I ended up doing an independent study together, and uh, we started this in 2001, and by 2006, I had published a book on, on happiness, of which the book focuses on solving a, a riddle, and it's, it's a riddle along these lines. Happiness is the one thing all humans want, but it's also the one thing that you will constantly be adapting to. So as an example, I could ask Carol, I can ask you, Ron, what's one thing that brings you happiness? I, I really do. This isn't a hypothetical. Give, give me something that brings you happiness. Tell me a thing that brings you happiness. Uh, well, I can I, take I it will, off. Go ahead, I'll Carol. Bite. Go ahead. I'll bite. Um, traveling. Traveling. Going new places. Fantastic. So here's the deal. There, there's a phenomenon called the hedonic treadmill. And here's the riddle to, that hopefully my book solves. So traveling is something that Carol loves. Traveling is something that brings happiness to Carol. So let's say one of the places that you like to travel is Paris. And you've traveled there before. So what I'm going to give you, I'm going to say, okay, you get to travel to Paris um, every summer for the next 20 summers. Will it bring you the same level of happiness the first time you went to Paris, the second time you went to Paris, the third time you went to Paris? What's actually going to happen to your happiness levels each time you visit Paris? So I'm, are you saying I'm going to have diminishing returns and there not love go. Paris as much? <laughs> that is exactly what is going to happen. So, so the hedonic treadmill is, is, is such as that when we give people what they want, relative to them defining happiness, what happens to our senses? Our senses are such for a good, for a good reason and for a bad reason. For a good reason, it's wonderful when something traumatic happens to us and we adapt to it. So we lose a loved one and we lose the love, a loved one such that there's a tremendous amount of sadness associated with that. But as time goes by, our senses adapt to it and we don't have the same feelings along those lines. Well, here's the bad thing. When we have positive things happen to us, we adapt to those things as well. So I'm going to give you a secret eventually. I'm going to I'll share some ingredients. You're going to ask about some ingredients. 
But one of the things that the book actually does is it distinguishes between this idea of what is happiness and happiness is associated with the things in our lives. And it distinguishes between that and a phenomena of contentment. Imagine enjoying Paris as much as you did the first time as you did, as you would the 20th time or the 30th time. I want to make our listeners happy by letting those who just joined us know you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio. We're talking with Dr. Don Lucas about happiness, a psychologist who has spent a lot of time not helping us with the ugly side of life, but cultivating the up happy side. And uh, Dr. Don, let's come back to what you were saying uh, in Carol's case. What, what if she varied where she went? Paris, London, Rome. Would that then maintain that level of happiness? It, it, it would. So one of the things that, that people do with the hedonic treadmill, either they increase whatever that thing is or they, they, they diversify it. Um, again, with that diversity, you're going to be adapting to each one of those things. Um, and if, if you're talking about maybe not Paris, maybe you're, you're talking about a food item. That, that might be eventually relatively maladaptive as we diversify or we increase that quantity. So what we talk about, and this is something that philosophers have been talking about for 2000 years, but we just put a science to it, is we started to look at, and this is going to be a fancy word, but it's a word that theoretically we've been experiencing since day one. We look at autotelic experiences. And what an autotelic experience is, is when you do something for the sake of doing it, okay? Now, as an adult, we have a hard time doing try, trying to come up with an example, but there's really easy example. When you look at children, children play for the sake of playing. They can play anything. And sometimes it frustrates us adults, especially if we're parents. So we've bought an expensive computer for our child. And we're like, oh my gosh, look at all the things you can do with this computer. And by the way, this computer costs $4,000. And within minutes, within hours, the child is playing and enjoying the box that the computer came in as much as the computer itself. And as an adult, we go, no, 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 no. What's wrong with, we're going to throw out that box. The, the, to, to use Carol as an example, you have to be going to Europe to be truly a traveler. You certainly couldn't be going to Oklahoma City or, or Paducah, uh, Kentucky. An autotelic experience is such as that we're just going to twist it just a little bit and say, Carol, could you just love travel for the sake of traveling, no matter where you go? When you look at yourself, that's where you find contentment. That's where you find the happiest people. The happiest people are such as that they found things in their lives that they end up doing it just for the sake of the activity itself. Ron and I kind of have, have met and, and kind of how we met, we, we met at a, at a meeting in which I was talking about walking and I, and I lead a, a group, uh, two or more people define a group, a group of, <laughs> of, of neighbors in which uh, we walk once, once a month. Any activity can be defined on whether or not it's autotelic. So one of the things that's happening in San Antonio right now is uh, we've had several, if, if not, I don't know, uh, a couple of dozen days of 100 degree weather or more. 
and you would say that it's pretty crazy to be getting out in this weather and, and walking when it's triple digits and it's 106 and it's 107. Well, if you look at that and say, you know what, there's conditions based upon when I'm going to be walking. As soon as you put conditions on it, you know, it's not an autotelic experience. Not doing it, just say, doing it. No matter what, I don't care if I'm walking by myself or I'm walking with wonderful neighbors or it's raining or it's 106. I like walking. I don't care if it's in my neighborhood or I'm walking around the Eiffel Tower. Or I'm walking amongst beautiful trees. I like to walk for the sake of walking. Well, hold so, that thought. We're going to come back to Don in a moment. And Carol, you may not know this, but one thing Don set as a goal for himself was to walk through every grocery store owned by the same company in the greater San Antonio area in one day, starting from one store to the next, every aisle, everywhere in those stores. We'll find out that worked or not in just a moment. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. We're talking about happiness. Hey, if that makes them happy, why not? Dr. Don Lucas, our special guest, Carol Zerniel, our co-host, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us and stick with us right here on Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. Appreciate you being with us right here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zernio. We're talking with Dr. Don Lucas. He is a professor of psychology at the psychology department at Northwest Vista College here in San Antonio, Texas. He is an author and an expert, I think it's fair to say, on happiness. And, and Dr. Don, I mentioned that you set out to walk through HEB, which is the grocery store in much of Texas every store in San Antonio. How did that work out? And why was that a goal? Yeah. And I I think, and, and, you know, I don't want to break my arm, pat myself on, on the back, but that's actually a great example of an autotelic experience. Um, Most people would view that as that that's well, what, what, when I asked my wife on whether or not I could do that, so I could take a day off and, and, and do this, she said, you're an idiot. I said, ah, it's an autotelic experience. I knew I was on to something. I literally did it for the sake of doing it. One of the things that happens when you're doing autotelic experience is you're doing it for the sake of doing it. There really is the, the goal. You use the word goal. Goals are extremely important as far as motivating us. Imagine if the goal is the activity itself. So Yes, I would have loved to be able to, I think we have 53 HEBs um, in, in San Antonio. We were able to get through 41 or 42 of them within the operating hours. And then within the, the month, we, we finished them off in, in the newspaper. Our local newspaper picked up on it. And, you know, there was, there was this great fanfare, but that wasn't the point. The, the, the point was to walk for the sake of walking in a ridiculous place, a ridiculous place. Why would you go to grocery stores? Well, the number of people that we met that we would have not met 
before. The number of experiences that we had that we could have never predicted. One of the things that certainly correlated with an autotelic experience is serendipity. Serendipitous experiences you can't control. Yet, if you go, you know what? Everybody goes to Europe. Everybody goes to Paris. We're going to have the most fantastic time in our lives. Here's one of the things that the research literature actually talks about with vacations. People are just as likely to report being happy at work than they are on vacation. Only a scientist could tell you that or someone who is insane. That doesn't make any sense at all. How could that possibly be? Well, when we're at work, we're typically amongst friends, people that we actually like. We're being rewarded. People are patting ourselves on the back. We're getting some tokens called money as well. But it's been spun. It's work. It's work. Well, well guess what replaces play at, from childhood to adulthood? work does. And if you don't pick your right work, then work gets this really bad rap at being a bad thing. Most people enjoy their work. Most people are satisfied and happy at work. Why is that? Well, here, here is, and I would love to, to tell your listeners, I know we only have a few minutes here. No, we're good. But but I I've I've got a a I'm a PhD. Please hold door, not an MD. More dough, so I don't make money off of anything. the The entire book is free, even though it was published. It's free. I put it online, and I also wrote just a, a short article on the ten ingredients. When you go to the research literature and find what do scientists talk about when they find happy people, what characteristics do these people have? And all you have to do is go to medium.com. And the exact article is called Learning Secrets About Happiness and Rediscovering Contentment Because of COVID-19. And yes, I intentionally put those two things together. It's a free article. Once you read the article, you'll see a link, a link to the entire book. And there's no gimmicks or anything along those lines. But one of the things that you do find when you dive into the research literature is many of the secrets associated with happiness are associated with social situations. The number one ingredient associated with happiness is communal relationships. Now for your listeners, the word communal might be a new word for them. What a communal relationship is, and it probably should be a new word because there's not a lot of relationships like this. A communal relationship is such as that there's no reciprocity associated with it. So 99.99, that's a technical number right there. 99.99% of our relationships are reciprocal. They're given and take. So I give you something, but I have expectations that you're going to give me something back. And if you don't give me something back, then the relationship ends. But then we have a few relationships. Well, hopefully we have a few relationships that are communal relationships. And communal are such as that these relationships, we don't keep track of the giving and taking. So I don't keep, keep track of, well, you know, when we go out to lunch, you know, the last time you bought, so this time I'm going to be buying. Or the classic for my mother, I love my mother, I love my mother, is keeping track of Christmas cards. Who sent a Christmas card? Well, she's going to be off of my list. I didn't get a Christmas card, though. Well, although I sent a Christmas card to you. Those are reciprocal relationships. Those are great relationships. They're associated with happiness. But the number one relationship is such as that when you look at your life, what could this person do in that you're not keeping track of what they've done to you and you continue to have the relationship? 
There's another component of this communal relationship and the term is empathy. And a lot of people, certainly they've used the term empathy, but they don't fully understand what empathy is. Empathy is not sympathy. So sympathy, we're born with sympathy. Our, our perceptual system is such as that we can pick up on uh, and go, okay, there's that person is sad, that person's angry, that person's happy, that person's grumpy. That's sympathy. Empathy is such as that we actually take on the emotions of the person that we're with, whether they be negative emotions, whether they be positive emotions. The most powerful emotion we have is empathy because it's multiplicative. Imagine being in a communal relationship. Hopefully you don't have to imagine it. Hopefully you can go, I am in some of these communal relationships. You're in this relationship with this person. And when this person is having a good day, automatically you're having a good day. Now, at the same time, when this person is having a bad day, you literally are taking that on such that that's why this is associated with happiness, that you have to do something about it because you literally feel bad too. So you're like, what can I do? It's almost a selfish act with this thing called empathy. What can I do to get you back up? Hopefully marriages are associated with communal relationships. But interestingly, these are independent. These are two different variables when I I talk about 10 factors that are associated with happiness, because you can have communal relationships and communal relationships such that, you know what, I only see this person a couple of times a year. But when we start talking, we pick up exactly as if there was no time that it's gone by. Whereas a marriage is such as theoretically you're with that person for a lot more than just a, a month or two. All right, I'm talking I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking. I'm sure you may have questions or something. I'll go on and on. Carol's got a question. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, but my question, my, my, no, my question, I actually had two <laughs> questions. One of them, you were talking about walking and you were talking about, yes. um, I'm sorry, say the word again, tell, autotelic experiences. Oh, you nailed it. Nailed yeah, it. Autotelic experiences. So years ago, I love to walk as well. And All years right. ago, there was a magazine. In, yeah, in just anywhere, just walking. And there was a magazine and the quote in the backup cover of the magazine was, there's no bad, there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothes. And so on all these vacations I go on, and, you know, when we've got an outing planned and the weather's not, not cooperating or things are going south, I always say, there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothes. And that and everybody knows that we're going to go anyway because we're just going to go and we're going to see what happens. It, that that that's that's a perfect example. Nike was, um, and I don't know if they still have the, the just do it. It's it's almost right. autotelic if they drop the it. Just do, just do. <laughs> there, there's there's no um, morality associated with autotelic experiences. There's no ethics associated with the autotelic experiences. As soon as you bring those things in, there's there's two other fancy words. So happiness is associated with endotelic experiences and all an endotelic experiences. I have a PhD, I have a PhD so I have to say fancy words, huh. is that the experience is relative to you and you have, they have to have some control over it. I'm going to decide whether or not I like this chocolate cake versus this vanilla cake. And you know what? I'm going to eat both pieces. And then you have exotelic experiences and exotelic experience, the environment is controlling whether or not there will be a positive emotion. And we call that pleasure. Pleasure is at our senses and beyond. Whether we're talking about pleasure associated with 
food or we're talking about pleasure associated with sex or we're talking about pleasure associated with exercise, we're dependent upon the environment giving us that. Whereas happiness, it's endotelic. I'm going to decide whether or not I like this, whether or not I would rather go to Austria versus England. Whereas autotelic, it pushes both of those things inside. It's not based upon you liking or disliking. It's not based upon what the environment is demanding. Indeed, the example that you just gave, it's perfect. You're like, you know, I like personally to be walking, not when it's 111 (laughs) degrees outside. I really don't like it. But you know what I find contentment in? In the things that I now find, I find other people that actually enjoy walking. And then the conversations that we start having and, oh my gosh, you've been in Death Valley before. I've been in Death Valley before as well. I would have never had those conversations if I didn't do it for the sake of doing it. And that puts an exclamation mark on this program. We are flat out of time. Dr. Don, how can folks track you down and get a hold of you? Yeah, I would love. I'm I'm all about dlucas at alamo.edu. Look me up at Northwest Vista College. Got it. And you know how much I talk right now? Dr. Don Lucas, I got to turn you off. Thank you. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.